Hey everybody, welcome to West Seattle Christian Church Online. If you are new, welcome. If not, welcome back. Just a couple quick infomercials before we begin. First, right now as a church, we are meeting online in our kinfolk groups via Zoom for the month of January. Due to the spike in Omicron cases, uh, several in our church have been hit with this, underscoring the need for caution. Uh, so this goes for all of our uh, all church our all church gatherings. Uh, kinfolk groups and our middle school student ministry. But rest assured, we are planning for the day when we can all be together in person on a regular basis, and we hope that that comes real soon. Uh, we'll keep you posted as February draws near as to our plans for that month. Second, we're in a new learning series called The Basics, and we're going to be looking at the fundamentals of the Christian faith. Each week during the Basics series, you'll be instructed to view our teaching online like this via YouTube or our website or our mobile app or to view the complimentary video teaching from the Bible Project. So we're going to switch back and forth. Each week, these will be made available in advance of Sunday gatherings for our kinfolk groups so that you can be ready uh, to fellowship and share and jump into the discussion with your kinfolk group via Zoom or with your family at home. So I encourage you to head over to the Bible Project right now. You can Google that and uh, set up your free account. You can also download the excellent Bible Project app for your mobile device. Uh, having a Bible Project account is entirely optional, so if you wish, you can just watch the videos as we share them with you. If you missed last week's Bible Project video, head on over to our blog and you'll find it there in the queue. Uh, it's less than 10 minutes long, and we encourage you to watch that uh, prior to watching this. So, this week is a follow-up to some of the ideas expressed in the Bible Project video from last week. We are going to talk about God and who and what God is. And we want to go a little bit deeper uh, from that video. So what we're going to do is just touch on some of the foundational scriptures that give us a better picture of who God is and then discuss it within our groups. So let's jump in. Since uh, we're springboarding off of that Bible Project video from last week, which was all about God, uh, the first question we should begin with is probably this. How do we know that God is? Well, I think more and more these days, this is evident by our soul's thirst for God, and this is evidenced in many uh, myriad ways. But the Bible puts it this way in Psalm 42, verses 1 and 2, about our inner longing for God. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? That's a beautiful picture. And there's a great story uh, about Helen Keller that I'm reminded of. When her teacher, Ann Sullivan, told her about God at age 14, Helen said, Oh, I am so glad you told me his name. He has spoken to me often. She knew about God before anyone told her. We all have this God compartment in our lives and in our spirit. And when you realize your inner longing for God, you will know he is real and that he is here for you. We also know that God is because of creation. Psalm 19 verse 1 tells us that we know God is real because of creation. It says the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. And there's a lot more to this. There's many more scriptures about it too. It's not so seemingly simplistic though in this day and age. I think it's very, very helpful to dig into weightier and meatier informational and scholarly works that show the connection between God and science in our modern world, from physics to anatomy and DNA, philosophy. God and science are not diametrically opposed, in other words. 
And if you're new to this kind of idea and want to talk about it more, just reach out to the church and I'd be happy to talk to you about it. Suffice it to say, there's some great resources out there. There are popular Christian books like The Case for Christ, The Case for Creator that have been out for years and so on. And there are others that I find even more helpful from more academic sources, from people who are both professing believers in God and those who are not. Books like The Creator and the Cosmos, written by Hugh Ross, who's an astrophysicist who earned his doctorate in astronomy from the University of Toronto. Or Creation Out of Nothing by William Lane Craig, who is an analytical philosopher and theologian. Or Paul Davies, who wrote The Goldilocks Enigma, Why is the Universe Just Right for Life? He is a physicist and professor at Arizona State, where I went to for a couple of years. Or Michio Kaku, whose most recent work, The God Equation, The Quest for a Theory of Everything, is quite interesting. Michio is a professor of theoretical physics at the City College of New York, and he's also the co-founder of the string field theory. If you've never seen them, I highly recommend watching Rob Bell's Everything is Spiritual uh, tour video from 2008, uh, and then follow that up with his newer version from 2016. You might be a bit overwhelmed by them, but I think you will enjoy them nonetheless, and it will give you a synopsis of everything we're talking about. And there's much, much more. I think the most significant reason, though, that we know God is real is because of Jesus. John 14, 9 says, uh, Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Uh, there's a question, though, and that is, who is it that God that says there is no God? And I think ultimately it's really foolish to say there is no God. Um, I'm reminded of the rich fool in Luke 12 who didn't include God in his plans and his life. And even some of the world's best class scientists and mathematicians of the modern era believe in God. Um, I, maybe you've heard of uh, Werner Heisenberg, the theoretical physicist, he, winner of the 1932 Nobel Prize in Physics. He's director of the he was director of the Max Planck Institute for Physics and Astrophysics, chairman for the Commission for Atomic Physics, chairman of the Nuclear Physics Working Group. I think you get the picture. Uh, Heisenberg is basically known as the father of quantum physics. And here's what he said about God. He said, the first gulp from the glass of natural sciences will make you an atheist. But at the bottom of the glass, God is waiting for you. Psalm 14.1 simply says this about whether God is real. The fool says there is no God. Now this leads us to another important question. What is God like? And this is also a serious question. If there, if there is a God, what is that God like? For, and for the answer to that question, you really have to turn to the scriptures. And what we find is that God is spirit, God is light, God is love, and God is holy. And I want to touch on those briefly. John 4.24 says God is spirit. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and truth. 1 John 1, 5 says, God is light. Uh, it says, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. 1 John 4, 8 says, God is love. Whoever does not know, who, who did not love does not know God because God is love. And Revelation 4, 8 says, God is holy. This is the famous passage where you have these creatures that are around the throne and it says, day and night they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy 
is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. God's holiness means his otherness, and this makes sense. If he is the perfect representation of those other things, spirit and light and love, then he's way beyond what we are. We aspire to those things, but we don't get them perfect. We don't even get close to perfect. And God's holiness means he is good. He wants our spirits to be pure and holy like us. He loves us and wants our lives to be full of light and hope and joy. And he wants us to realize that he is the source of all of those things. I'm reminded of Mr. Beaver in C.S. Lewis's book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. That book is really a study about the attributes of God and his son Jesus as he's putting them on display while these fictional children are getting to know Aslan, this lion. Here's the conversation between Lucy and Susan and Peter and Mr. Beaver who explains to them who Aslan is and metaphorically who Jesus and God are. Who's Aslan? asked Susan. Aslan, said Mr. Beaver. Why, don't you know? He's the king. It is he, not you, that will save Mr. Tumnus. Is, is he a man? asked Lucy. Aslan a man, said Mr. Beaver sternly. Certainly not, I tell you. He is the king of the wood and the son of the great emperor beyond the sea. Don't you know he is the king of beasts? Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Oh, said Susan, I thought he, he was a man. Is he... Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. That you will, dearie, and no mistake. If there's anyone who can appear before Aslan without their knees knocking, they're either braver than most or else just silly. Then, then he isn't safe, said Lucy. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Don't you hear what Mrs. Beaver tells you? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. I'm longing to see him, said Peter, even if I do feel frightened when it comes to the point. I think Lewis sums up nicely for us the spirit and love and light of God mixed with his holiness. The holiness part is what is behind our desire to worship God as much as the love and light part are. Worship means you are bowing down heart and soul before royalty, before a king. In very, in very fact, you are acknowledging that God is real and he's the ruler of everything, including you. And in this case, we're saying God is king of the universe, and kings command respect. In this case, positionally, but also because of, his, of this king's character and his unwavering love for his creation, which includes us. And so at the same time, there's fear and love mingled together on our part when we think about who God is. And just like Peter, I hope that you long to meet him. It sounds like a God I would like to get to know. But this begs the question, how can we know God? If we want to know him, if you want to know him, how can you get to know him? Again, scriptures give us guidance. John 14, 6 says that we know him through Jesus. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. And I'm sure Jesus' disciples remember all the encounters he had with other people in their time together being being mocked because he would have dinner with prostitutes and thieves and extortionists, a.k.a. tax collectors, and how he forgave people's sins and showed them that he loved them. And then he just simply asked them to change their ways and follow him. How he healed people and brought families back together. How he raised the dead. And in short, how he never stopped loving everyone. If you want to know God and what he's like and what he thinks of you, look no further than Jesus. John 14, 9 
says to see Jesus is to see God. Anyone who has seen me, says Jesus, has seen the Father. And so if you want to know God, he will show himself to you. Uh, Jeremiah 29 verse 13 says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. In other words, God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. If you simply try and keep on and keep on trying, you will find God. And that trying part looks quite simple. It means opening a Bible and immersing yourself in the stories of Jesus to find out who he is and how he lived and how he, how he revealed who God is and how God's heart for us is magnificently huge. And trying also means seeking out those who know God already and learning from them how they interact and have a daily relationship with God, how they have learned and understand the scriptures, how to pray, and what those ways of living are that are the way that Jesus lived. A very practical way uh, you can try if you are completely new to the idea of following Jesus is to sign up for the next time we offer an Alpha course here at the church. If that interests you, go ahead and sign up and we'll be in touch and let you know when the next one is. Remember what Jeremiah 29 verse 13 says, if we seek God with all our heart, we will find him. And when you learn more about God and you find him, you'll begin to discover what he has done for us. And that's the question and the point that we'll wrap this all up on. What has God done for us? Well, several things, but Genesis 1-1 is a good place to start. It says he created the heavens and the earth. So for starters, he's given us this world to steward and to care for and to enjoy. And he's given us our very existence within this world. Then John 3-16, where he says, God gave his only son to, to die for our sins and to give us eternal life. It's probably the most famous verse in the scriptures because it very simply tells us how far God has gone to demonstrate his love for you and me. God could have just told us, you know, he could have just come down himself. But I think, I think we would have cowered in fear or not believed what we were seeing or hearing. He could make us love him like we're robots running a computer program and everything we do is just the most advanced artificial intelligence in the world. But he didn't. He became vulnerable. He became like us. He reached out first, putting himself in the position of having to possibly take our rejection. And beyond that, he sacrificed everything for us. Acts 2 tells us that God has done something else for us. God has given the Holy Spirit to those who believe and follow Jesus in their lives. He hasn't left us to our own devices. He hasn't just got the world spinning and left it. He hasn't abandoned us. He has, he has given us a helper and a guide. And the Holy Spirit is directly tied to our conscience so that we know right from wrong and we know when and how to act as Jesus would and we know when and how, if by inaction, we are not following Jesus' way. That we know not to hesitate and know when to jump in and help, oftentimes on behalf of others and the oppressed. And so the Holy Spirit is present within us to help and protect and point the way forward and to remind us of God's love and God's power that's available to us in this world to deal with what come may. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for the love of God in my life and that he makes his creative and amazing power available to us. And that'll wrap it up for today. I want you to watch your inboxes for the West Seattle Christian Weekly with instructions for our next Bible Project video for next week. And we'll see you in Kimfolk Groups uh, on Zoom where you'll have discussion questions for a good time of learning and formation. Until next time, stay rooted and deep in Jesus and produce good fruit, my friends.